Welcome to Pull Back, the podcast where we usually try something new in ethical consumption and then tell you what we learned, fuck-ups and all. This episode is different than what we've done before. When we were planning a recording with Nisha Patel a few weeks ago, we sent out a call to artists in our circles asking for recordings discussing how COVID-19 was affecting their lives and their artwork. We had originally thought to use these recordings with the episode we recorded with Nisha, but ultimately decided they would work better as a standalone episode. We heard back from five artists over the course of about two months, so for context, Lydia and Lisa were the first to get back to us, sending their recordings at the end of May, before lockdown restrictions had really begun to ease up. Brad sent his at the beginning of June, when the Black Lives Matter movement was gaining a lot of momentum. And Panthea and Jagan sent theirs in the middle of July, when Vancouver had been slowly easing lockdown restrictions for just about two months. I've arranged them in that order to keep things simple. Now I'll let them introduce themselves more fully, and then I'm going to pop in with the questions they were answering for us. Here we go. Hello, I'm Lydia Hall. I'm a 26-year-old actress from Stoke-on-Trent, England, but I'm currently living in London. Hello, hello. My name is Lisa Boofink, and I'm a visual artist from Edmonton, Alberta. I predominantly do art in the form of pencil drawing and acrylic painting in a realistic style, but I have recently been doing some digital art as well. While I do create some paid commissions and participate in art walk events from time to time, the way that I make a living is through my day job as a graphic designer for a small promotional marketing company at Edmonton. I'm Brad Fair, and I'm a visual artist in Edmonton, Alberta. Hi, my name is Panthea Vatendust, and I'm an actor for film, TV, and theatre. I'm also the founder and managing artistic director of Medusa Theatre Society, so I produce theatre as well. Hi everyone, I'm Jagan Johnson, and I work as a film and television actor and voice actor in Vancouver, Canada. Can you tell us a bit about how the pandemic is affecting you and your work? I'm not working at the minute, uh, as most people in my world aren't. Because for, well, for the reason that COVID has shut all our productions down as such. So no theatre, no TV, no film is being made. I'm trained in musical theatre, but I have done some TV work and I'm hoping to branch out more into TV and film. Prior to this, I was in the running for a seven-week contract, which obviously was pulled for summer as it won't be able to go ahead. As with everyone else, everyone is struggling right now. Um, I think the, the only difference is that right at this current moment in time, the arts is not the main focus or the necessity or the essentials, which is completely understandable. The, the education and health sectors definitely need to be the priority right now like the health services all over the world and scientists working on this are under so much pressure right now and I think they really are doing such an incredible job I I genuinely don't know how these people turn up to work every day knowing what they're going to face and really just being absolute superstars really saving lives when (laughs) My job is to turn up and play dress up and be someone else for a day or 
and there will be a time for that as soon as things start perking up and the time I don't think is too far away but people will need the arts to really get by and see themselves through and I think it's so important to remember that that is going to be needed and at the minute the way things are going I I worry that there's going to be no industry to go back to. Sonia Friedman wrote a really powerful article about the government needing to support the theatres. Every theatre wants to open, wants to take every measure possible to to provide work for people, to provide art for people to watch, but there's just no way of doing it safely right now without some help. I don't want to see my industry die out. I don't want to see fringe stop. I don't want to see small companies go under. Uh, since COVID, I have definitely been lucky to have a day job that I can easily do from home and continue to work at. But even so, since so many of our clients are small businesses that have been extremely affected by the pandemic, I've been working much fewer hours because people just don't need or can't afford promo and design work for their businesses right now. They might not even be open at all, right? So that's uh, kind of sucked in terms of me not getting a lot of work at the time. But even when I do have work to be done for long-term clients or the few small things that have been rolling in, my mind for creating is really not in the same place as it was a few months ago. I have to be all the more conscious of what message is being sent, if things are coming across as out of touch or completely irrelevant of the reality right now. So it's a little bit difficult in trying to have to, to balance that for my job. When it comes to my personal practice as an artist, though, I'm usually the kind of person who constantly has projects on the go. I never sit still. So having extra time with my reduced hours should be something good for me to crack all these different items off my to-do list. But I think a lot of us have bought into this myth of productivity right now. And we have like the idea that we have to use our extra time in the right ways right now. Otherwise, we're wasting it. And I'm just finding creating very hard to do right now. I don't think I'm the only one. A lot of the time I just don't feel like doing it because there's such a stressed energy around everything that there almost feels like a bit of a futility in what I'm doing. For the most part, I don't work very conceptually, so I do feel like it's a bit silly when I sit down to just paint or draw something for the sake of something beautiful. While normally this is what I love to do because I like to capture beauty in the world, there's just way too much other stuff going on that I could be tapping into right now and I want to be tapping into right now. I just don't know how without coming across as like basic or derivative or even like I'm just jumping onto a trend in the face of a pandemic. Like I'm not going to go do another drawing or comic of a nurse as a superhero because so many other people have done it and what I don't want to make this symbolic gesture that's just there for the sake of being symbolic. I want to tap into what I'm actually feeling. I want to be able to do more with my art, but I'm really struggling with how to do that because that's not something that I've really practiced over the years. While I am sad that a few of the events that I was planning to, to attend as an artist this year are canceled, the plus side is that I don't have the same pressure right now to create stock and make sure I'm creating pieces that are going to appeal, appeal for 
uh, sale to people. I don't have to make sure that they're all perfect. So I've been experimenting with some new mediums and styles right now, which has been really fun. Even if not everything has been turning out, that's all just part of the process and the learning curve. Uh, Conversely, though, I'm wondering if those people who have experienced any success in a certain style or avenue or subject matter with their art may be more inclined to cling to that practice right now because they don't want to have any extra uncertainty that comes with trying something new. Not per se like commercializing what they do uh, or pigeonholing themselves, but finding a niche and choosing to stick with it to stay in a comfortable place amongst the rest of the chaos in life right now. I myself have been falling back into wanting to do my usual subjects and pieces because that's what I know, that's what I find comfort in. So it's been really hard for me to push myself to be uncomfortable, but I have to do do that if I want to be able to push my art beyond what it already is and to try new things. What I see on a lot of artists' social media accounts that I follow is that there usually is a very clear theme or vibe or even color palette to to what they're doing, especially with the ones that I follow that have a big following. And I don't necessarily want that for myself, but it is very tempting. Speaking of social media, like I am on there all the time. I've been posting my art there for a while. And I have found that recently there has been a little uptick of people buying items online, albeit small ones. So I think people really do want to support ours right now. It just, it might be hard for them depending on what their circumstances are. It's tough to talk about COVID impacting art and my art because so much has happened in just the last few months. I think art has been affected just like everything else. We're seeing just how many possibilities are buried under normal society and normal life. In an anecdotal way, I think the suspension of the art world, um, most shows were postponed, cancelled, or or retooled for digital spaces, was a bit like swimming back up to the surface. You know, it was it was like pulling your head out of the water. Right now, as a result of COVID, you know, there is no more success or failure, no more long-term planning, because the long-term doesn't exist right now. So you look over how much has been weighing on you and go, oh, I haven't stopped being creative or working, but that guilt to always be making, always be productive... That kind of washed itself away during COVID. At least it did for me. It really opened up a new perspective on what I'm doing, uh, what I have been doing as an artist, and what I want to do as an artist. I've been working on ideas during the pandemic that were always on the back burner or never quite viable enough to pursue in favor of other work. It's been very freeing, at least as much as it's been worrying and, and terrifying. I was lucky, though. I'm employed as an art teacher through the city of Edmonton, And they cancelled all camps from spring break to fall, uh, which is unfortunate. But as a result of this, all of us temporarily laid off workers had easy access to CERB. I've been very lucky for that. And I've had more time to just do art than I've had in a long time. I've probably had more time to do art just because of the pandemic than I've had since I was in university. You know, but the province of Alberta under the Conservatives... Uh, You know, they've been their usual monstrous selves. In respect to the art world, they've been slashing left and right. Uh, They cancelled funding that had already gone through the nomination and adjudication processes, which I think is unheard of. Luckily, there have been plenty of arts organizations that have tried to either retool grants or, in other ways, redirect money towards immediate relief for artists, but there was only so much to go around at the best of times. And now... 
with the provincial government acting the way it is, you know, it's it feels grim. Like everywhere else, people are trying to help people, but the institutions, you know, the authorities, just brutal, you know, just brutal. So when the pandemic hit in March and everything shut down, I was in the middle of rehearsing for two shows. Um, one of them has been canceled essentially permanently, and the other one has been tentatively moved to the summer of 2021. But, I mean, anything can happen from now until then. For the duration of the pandemic, I essentially spend the majority of my time just catching up on my reading. Uh, I'm an avid reader. I also enjoy solitude. So it wasn't on a personal level, it wasn't uh, horrible uh, being locked in a room with all of my books. Uh, I know I'm outing myself as a nerd here, but uh, that aspect I enjoyed. Uh, however, being a high-risk person, it also came with a lot of stress and every time having to go out with my mom to get groceries or run an errands, like there was heightened anxiety, for sure. So after the first couple of months, and uh, when essentially my nervous system finally acclimated to the quote-unquote new normal, um, I thought that this was a really good opportunity for me to um, plan out what I want the next year or two years to look like with my theater company. So I started um, working towards that essentially and um, scheduled meetings with possible new board members, started reading plays that I would want to produce, um, started working on building our website, all the things that I didn't uh, necessarily have a ton of time doing before the shutdown because I was working on shows as well as working a day job full time. Being where I am in my career, uh, I'm, I was in an interesting place because uh, I didn't necessarily lose tens of thousands of dollars in contracts. However, I did lose a certain bit of momentum that uh, I was gaining with the shows that I was booking. And so that was something that was uh, essentially hard for me to to come to terms to. But being as we had about four months of essentially just sitting and thinking, I was able to kind of recognize this for what it was, which was an, an opportunity to refocus what I want to be doing with my career, who I am as an artist, um, what I want my body of work to look like. Um, so I slowly started working towards that and thinking uh, in that way. So I may be one of the rare few millennials who is not very tech savvy and who does not necessarily enjoy a lot of technology in their life. Um, I use my laptop just for uh, writing and for reading my emails and checking websites and that's it. Uh, so the idea of creating a show that I would do through my laptop and on Zoom isn't necessarily something that I want to jump at. However, uh, interestingly enough, I am currently creating a, sh a show uh, with um, three, uh, four other lovely artists that is going to be taking place on Zoom. And I'm, uh, in that sense, really stepping out of my own comfort zone. However, with my theater company and uh, through that venue, uh, I am not actively working on any projects that would be um, shown exclusively online. That's not really something that interests me. I'm not one of those people who is constantly waiting to learn about the newest technology and the newest way of uh, uh, putting that to use in their life. One thing I do have to say about 
the art sector specifically having to adapt to an online audience is that theater especially is so much more accessible now. For example, I spent some of my time during the shutdown watching um, shows on National Theater Live. Uh, this is an opportunity I've, uh, I've never had. I've never been to England. I've never gotten to watch one of those legendary shows on the stages in London. But getting to watch um, Benedict Cumberbatch, for example, and Fan- Frankenstein, like that was amazing. Um, and even shows in town, like um, Rumble Theater doing a show on, on Zoom as well, like just making theater more accessible to the general public, because especially considering um, the cost of living in Vancouver and cost of theater, uh, for people to have the opportunity to just log on by donation or for free and watch a show and uh, consume art in that way, uh, I think that's actually really wonderful. So that is something that I am considering to make, uh, especially work from my theater company more accessible to people. Um, maybe there will be an online aspect. Maybe there won't be, but these are all questions that I'm really interested in exploring. Um, how do we include the audience members that wouldn't necessarily get the opportunity to come to the theater and see our show? Um, through the shutdown, I was, uh, I would say pretty self-sufficient considering that I just, I, I stayed at home. I read, I, I watched, um, movies or theater on my computer. Um, I did so many, um, video calls with my friends and colleagues. Um, we did some table reads of plays to keep ourselves, um, keep our artistic juices flowing, so to speak. Um, but financially, uh, the CERB program through the government was definitely helpful in um, keeping some money coming in. Because again, uh, as an artist, uh, being at the level that I am in my career, I didn't have a, like a big cushion of money to uh, land on when everything shut down. And so that, that, that's actually something that I was thinking about was, um, other actors who were in the similar position as me or even earlier in their careers who may not have the financial capacity to continue on in their career choice after, um, everything reopens because, uh, like the amount of debt that people can go to when your source of income is suddenly shut down. And I, I know a number of friends who are still having difficulty getting their uh, CERB funds. Um, so that is something that is worrying and worth a thought for sure. I'm recording this after things have begun to reopen a bit in Canada. So it's interesting to see the steps that are being taken in the industry to fight against the virus. On set, obviously, you're seeing things like all the crew members needing to wear masks, social distancing being in effect, and the craft services food no longer being open to the air, but more packaged, single-serving type snacks. But on the acting side, the actors are often being sequestered away from everyone else too, more so than prior to this. Because when you're filming, you can't wear a mask, so you're more vulnerable to the virus. Though that being said, I've also seen an interesting trend of late, where auditions, I've had uh, a few of them, involved characters that were wearing masks for various reasons, 
in the actual scene. So apparently there are some productions that are baking masks into the scenes themselves to deal with COVID. I can't say whether or not this is going to be an enduring trend, but I just thought it was an interesting way to deal with the situation. And speaking of auditions, the process for auditioning has changed as well for on-camera work at least. Prior to this, auditions happened in person at a casting director's office. The first round would be taping a video with the casting director to send to the production's director and producer. And then subsequent rounds, or callbacks as they're known, would involve the director and producer in the room as well as the casting director. Now, everything is done with self-tapes. We would often do self-tapes before, but the majority of auditions for myself and many actors in Canada would be in person. But now, you'll take a video of yourself doing the audition with someone else reading the other character's lines off camera, depending on the scene, and then you'll cut that together and send it off to the casting director. It definitely has a different feel to it than auditioning in person, because you would get immediate feedback that would often help you know generally what the production was looking for. Obviously, beforehand, you had to do your own work to flesh out the character, um, but with that feedback, you'd often also get a second run with this new information, um, but now your first take, your first impression of the character and the scene is the only one you get. While this is good because you should be doing your work and trying to discover everything you can about the character before auditioning to create a realistic person out of the lines, there are definitely times when having the feedback helped, but for better or for worse, you don't really get that anymore. It just changes the way you approach the process a bit. To make a living now, I do have a day job that I work at to make ends meet between projects since they are currently few and further between, but that's just the way it is for most actors. If you aren't the lead in a movie or a regular TV show, then you have to support yourself in other ways. However, that being said, I have seen a definite uptick in the number of voice auditions that are happening right now. I think there is a slight shift towards making more projects in an animation style than live action. Obviously live action isn't going anywhere, but I think some production studios are realizing that it's easier and safer to make a feature animated because you can distance the animators and editors a lot easier than you can distance people on set. Uh, it will be interesting to see how that progresses in the future, especially with what is happening in the US right now, because that was the hub for production in North America. So with filming there being more difficult, we could see them start to get creative with the way they make things. And consumers are becoming a lot more receptive to animated or computer-generated movies, so that also helps things. For actors themselves now, though, there are people making a lot of their own content. There's been a trend towards actors and entertainers making more YouTube videos, TikToks, podcasts, streaming games on Twitch, and other outlets that allow for them to be creative in a more visual medium without actually having studio productions to work on. There are even live plays being put up on streaming services like Twitch and YouTube 
which is interesting because it actually creates a larger audience than a lot of the smaller plays would have ever received otherwise. And you can now watch Hamilton on Disney's platform, so things are looking up. <laughs> it's also interesting how less quote-unquote scripted programs like talk shows are dealing with this. You're seeing with larger programs like The Daily Show and Late Night, where they're moving from large in-studio productions to often the host just being at home with a basic camera setup and guests teleconferencing into the show, and then those videos being posted on social media. I don't know how long that will last for, or if it will become the new medium, but for the moment it is working and is also making the content more accessible to larger audiences than before. So it's possible that the new normal for a lot of these shows could become a far cry from the way they were produced prior and consumed. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. On a less positive side of things, though, I think for a lot of people working in the industry, the quarantine was disastrous, and not just for personal reasons. Um, I was lucky enough to, like I said, have a day job that I was let go from, so I was immediately el eligible for Canada's stimulus program, CERB. But a lot of people were not as lucky, though eventually the requirements to be eligible did open up a bit to let independent contractors, of whom almost everyone on a production is classified as, make use of it, it still involved so many hoops to jump through and made it almost prohibitively difficult for a lot of independent contractors to receive the benefit that a number of my friends ended up just giving up on it and eating into their savings to survive because they grew tired of the weeks of back and forth with employment insurance to try to get supported. All because they held a job that was not a 9 to 5. I think this is indicative of the way a lot of governments view the industry. While everyone consumes movies and shows, the job is still treated as sort of unnecessary or less important way of making money, even as they add millions or billions to economies. The programs in place to help productions of all sizes and actors as well are often the first ones to go on the chopping block when budgets are being made. It's sad to see, but obviously the industry keeps going. But it just made things even more difficult for a lot of people because when even the employment insurance program put in place to help out-of-work Canadians was being gatekept for a lot of production workers, there were no other real fallbacks. I hope that this changes in the future, but that remains to be seen. As long as artists are viewed more as fantastical dreamers than... Professionals dedicated to their work just like everything else, I think that in unique cases where suddenly no one can work, they'll still be hit especially hard. That isn't to take away from the struggle that everyone faced with this. Uh, it's just my viewpoint since that was what I witnessed in the circle of people around me and their circles as well. Can you tell us how you think art might change as a result of the pandemic? 
I think a real turning point for me will be here in the UK, everyone, there is a big um, reliance upon pantomime at Christmas. I think a lot of theatre makes its money from panto. A lot of actors heavily depend on panto once a year to set them up for the rest of the year and it's it's hard to get work in this industry <laughs> it's it's a job that everyone wants and it's knowing that you've got that light at the end of the tunnel of panto can get you through an entire year um if work is thin on the ground or for whatever reason um and i know for me personally i worry that panto won't happen this year that's a, for me a real worry and it's very it's a very real possibility that it won't because how do you social distance in a theater it's it's really when you think about it quite an intimate experience being sat next to a complete stranger experiencing the same story and right now i don't think people want to take that risk um i don't see how when we aren't able to be within two meters of each other how actors on stage can even kiss embrace fight do whatever it is dance together that that seems like an impossible ask but there are ways around it and there are ways to do it and i think it's going to be a new way of normal going forwards like face masks at the theater wear one when you're going to watch things wearing gloves when you go maybe it's a policy of x amount of people in a bar at a time you go to your seat at this time i don't know there are there are ways to work it but in what world is it going to be safe for 1500 people to sit in an auditorium to watch a show where the actors have to be so close to each other i yeah it's it's hard because you just don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna work and it's impossible to know going forwards how that's going to how that's going to change but i'm full of hope and i think everyone is like no one that i know is going well the industry is screwed so i'm gonna go and do something else I don't know anyone that's doing that. Everyone is absolutely chomping at the bit for theatre and the world to get going again. In looking to the future of art, what I would love to see is a greater appreciation for the arts form out of this pandemic. Of course, there are all these posts that I've seen going around on the internet about how people should appreciate that artists and creators are the ones making all the music and TV shows and movies that they're watching while on lockdowns, but I think there is still this connection to those forms of art to out-of-touch stardom and richness, but there are countless people employed by the arts every year. For every live event or production, there are people doing setup and takedown and concessions and ticket-taking and so much more. Every business uses graphic design and creative work in some way or another when they're starting and throughout all their campaigns and just staying in business. So I'm hoping that since so many events and productions and businesses have been shut down, people are going to start to realize what a major and vital part of the economy the arts actually are. I don't know that that's actually going to happen. I would love to see it. But I think a lot of people think there are bigger things to worry about than art right now. And for myself personally, I already have a hard time getting people to invest in my art. So 
with so many people's finances being affected by this pandemic. I just, I don't see that changing for me anytime soon, but maybe on a more global scale, we might see some ripple effects of people taking the arts more seriously as an industry because it is a big industry. The reality is that you have to appeal to the economic side of things to start to see any kind of changes here in Alberta, but even then it's a tough sell if the industry isn't within the narrow little view of what's important to the economy, which means anything other than oil is not really considered worthwhile. So who knows if that's anything is really going to happen. Art will respond to COVID, I think, the way it responds to everything. There will be good art and bad art. There will be COVID-specific art and art that's less explicit, but no less possible without COVID. There are already those things. Artists live in the same world as everyone else, and contemporary art is broadly a reflection of the contemporary world. Contemporary art should be social art, and ethical art. You know, in a nuts-and-bolts way, and as I've alluded to, art viewing is more of a digital experience right now. But, to be honest, there was already such a puzzle about that. I'm an artist, and I go to exhibitions and openings and so on, but most of the art that I see in a day-to-day way is online. I'd wager most people are the same way. So already, digital space has taken up much of people's art experiences. I think that there will be changes in the future, but as to what they will be, well, you have to ask why we show things physically, and by that I mean in galleries or elsewhere, because not all art is gallery art per se, and you have to keep an eye on what innovations people make in the meantime. You know, who knows? There's new channels uh, being dug every day. Maybe some of them are viable long-term, maybe some aren't. But art has always been there through wars and famines and tragedies and plagues, and it's still here for this. Artists too, although that role has changed more in fits and starts, I would imagine. Uh, But maybe this is a good time for a fit or a start. Maybe it's time that the role of the artist is really uh, changed again. You know, maybe it's time artists are more direct and more directly socially involved, which many artists, even locally here in Edmonton, I could name you uh, a ton of artists who are, you know, whose work may serve a social good or may not, but who are actively engaged in our communities here and in changing things. Uh, Something that I think and, uh, well, I hope will change things in the art sector, at least for the better, is how being forced to make things more accessible has hopefully taught people that uh, there is a different and a more accessible way of doing things. Like uh, all these courses that were uh, costing a lot of money to do in person and now suddenly are for free or by donation online. And I, and I do understand like the cost that goes into putting up a class, like you have to pay a rent for the building, you have to pay transportation, uh, bills, all of that. I understand that. However, education in the arts, especially, um, independent education and not necessarily through a university can be quite costly and not necessarily accessible to uh, everyone in the community. So I think that is, that is one of the things that I hope we will take away from this is the ability to have those courses online, have the material available online and include people that may be excluded otherwise. As for how I think this will change things, as I stated earlier, I think we're going to see a change in the way that people view these projects. 
more might become animated than prior, more may be released on streaming services and social media to a wider audience, and some may just disappear altogether. We'll likely see less productions than we did before, but the way we consume them may become different as well, uh, and they might actually be positive because more people will be able to see them. It's both terrifying and exciting in equal measures to think about, but no matter what, I'm still going to be working as an artist and entertainer, and I'll still find ways to make my art. That won't change, even if the industry does. Would you be so kind as to give the listeners a call to action? If there's any way that anyone can help, do it. If the performer is starting a small business to see them through so that they can carry on, buy something. If you can afford to donate after you've live streamed a musical, do it. If there's anything that you can do to keep this world going, it has to be done. Because there are people who want to be back in those buildings creating magic as soon as possible. And without, unfortunately, without some funds to make it happen, I'm not sure it will. But also, if you are a performer out there and you're feeling stifled or pressured or like you're not doing enough, know that it's okay to take this time to just sit back and breathe and use it to discover more about yourself. Because that can only be a good thing. There's time for the rat race when everything goes back to some form of normality. Go back knowing that just because you didn't create a program off your phone or on Zoom or whatever in those months of lockdown, that doesn't make you any less of an artist and it doesn't make you any less driven or empowered to to push this community forwards it just means that that wasn't right for you at the time I'm in that group I don't feel like I can create anything right now but I feel like I'm doing what's best for me and I'm really taking time to look after myself and I've really needed that and I hope that you do the same lecture over I guess my final thought on all this is that it is just really hard to know what to do as an artist right now. People are always saying just create, create, create and things will happen, but I have a room full of paintings and drawings that are just sitting there like, okay, I've been created, so now what, right? Um, If people are looking to support artists right now, I would follow the same sort of advice that people are giving for supporting local businesses, which is contact the people you want to give support to directly rather than through secondary apps uh, to see how you can help them or give them encouragement or boost their sales rather than going through these middlemen platforms that they might use to sell their work or get promotion because these are all tools that we might feel like we have to use but they're not really lucrative for the actual person you want to support at the end of the day so going directly to the person letting them know that you do want to support them that you are there for them that you have the ability to help them and finding out the exact way that they want your help is what I would suggest for anybody that is looking to support artists right now. So with that, I will say goodbye, but thank you for taking the time to reach out to me, and I hope you enjoyed listening.
My call to action for the audience is to support your local artists. Um, I know a couple of studios in town um, that have had uh, major struggles uh, financially during the, the shutdown. A theater companies struggling because they have now lost an entire year's um, programming. And uh, this is eating into the 2020-2021 season. So probably another half year, if not full year of programming that is lost. And rent in Vancouver, as everybody knows, is really high. And so, uh, local theater companies, nonprofits that rent in Vancouver, this is, they are really struggling. So donate if you can. If not, if you know someone who has the money to donate, uh, hassle them. <laughs> I like, uh, if, if the shutdown has taught us anything over the last four months, it is that the arts are a necessity in our lives. And so let's all of us put our money where our mouth is and appreciate the artists in our community by assisting them essentially survive this next six months to a year and continue to create and um, give us more things to enjoy. Thank you so much. Right now, the world hasn't even been able to deal with COVID. First, you had all the government corporate interests pushing through boneheaded reopening strategies, not supporting people. And now the Western world is being forced to reckon with our racism, our murderous systems of power and policing, and the art world seems very unimportant right now. But every artist I know hates the art world anyway. It is also a system of power, money, and inequality. Art will always go on. I mean, that's just a facet of, of humanity, of human beings. But right now, in terms of calls to action, I would ask that Instead of the usual buy local or commission local artists, support your local struggle instead. Find your local Black Lives Matter organization or just the people doing the work and throw in with them. Donate to a bail fund. In the future, remember that there are underrepresented artists and artists of color locally, nationally, globally, whose work often goes underlooked and undervalued. To artists, I would say that if you can't use your art in a direct way to help right now, Remember that you're a person first and an artist second. And if your art can't serve a social good right now, you yourself could. Because we all could. So while it remains to be seen how things will progress in the future, I think in all forms of art, artists will probably be okay. Um, there are so many ways to get art into the world now. The world is so interconnected. And I think that we're going to see new innovations and new ways of expressing ourselves that we didn't really have before or didn't really think of before because now the subject has been a little bit forced. So no matter what, art isn't going anywhere and neither are artists. And that's it. Thanks again to Lydia Hall, Lisa Boofink, Brad Fair, Panthea Vattendust, and Jagan Johnson for taking the time to send those in. I'll add a little context here for our listeners not from the UK. A pantomime is a stage production, and when I first heard about it, I heard the word mime and assumed it was silent. This could not be further from the truth, as I learned after working at a panto in London. They're big, colorful, musical stage productions that are particularly popular at Christmas and are usually satirizing famous fairy tales or stories, 
such as Cinderella, Robin Hood, or The Wizard of Oz, for example. They're really silly and lots of fun, and I genuinely don't understand how they're not more popular abroad. Or maybe they aren't, I'm just uncultured. If you want to learn more about our guests today, I've linked to their websites or social pages in the show notes and on our website at pullback.org. You can reach Pullback on Twitter at Pullback Podcast, and you can at me directly if you are furious with my description of Panto. I can take it. Thanks for listening. Our next episode features a return guest, Robert Miller, discussing carbon offsets. So we'll catch you there.